Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. This morning, and I want to talk to you on a specific, under a specific title. It's called Paradoxes of the Christian Faith. Paradoxes of the Christian Faith. You know, we are living in a world, not all of them believe in Christianity. Not all of them believe what we say, what we believe. We are living in a fallen world where majority of the people go behind what is called lie. And the enemy is so powerful and he is so clever to throw lies on our way and to attract people from the presence of God into what is called as lie. When a scripture talks about the biblical truths, and these biblical truths are at questioned at times. Not everyone believes these biblical truths that what we are believing and what we are talking about today. But this morning, I believe it is important for us to, those who are here to listen and those who are going to listen in the future through our media, it is important for us to know why Christianity is not well received, why Christianity is not well accepted, why people are finding it difficult to accept and to believe what word of God teaches. You know, even in our own life, if you think about even in our own life, we have tough time believing certain portion of the scripture. You know, most of the time we don't want to get into those areas because we, it's very hard for us to believe or it's very hard for us to trust in those words. But most of the time we walk over or we read through the, those scripture portions which are comfortable to us. You know, scripture is full of biblical truths. The word of God never lies. It's a book of truth. And as we read the book of truth, at times even we find it difficult to understand and how much more people who do not believe in God, they find it difficult. And this morning, I just want you to you know, think about and take you through some of those paradoxes the word of God is talking about. Before we get into that, probably I need to define what is paradox. What is paradox? Paradox is a fact that is logically unacceptable and it is self-contradictory. Paradox is the truth that is logically unacceptable. And it is contradicting within itself. That means, logically when you think about it, we cannot accept it. Because logically, it cannot happen. You know, most of us are logical thinkers. I don't know how many of us are logical thinkers here. How many of us are driven by your brain or your mind? How many of us are driven by your heart? Now, there are two different kinds of people. Those who are driven by our mind, you are more logical thinkers. And anytime, anytime you think logically before you approach a problem. And those who are driven by our heart, you don't really think about it. You jump into it. Right? You jump into it. When word of God says... You believe in Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household will be saved. And you jump into it and say, yes, Lord, I believe and I receive you. You are a heart person. You go by your heart, what your heart says. On the other hand, you tell somebody that you and your household will be saved if you believe in Lord Jesus Christ. 
he will think about why should I believe in Lord Jesus Christ? I have my own belief system. I have my own belief, set of beliefs, what I believe. Why should I believe in Lord Jesus Christ? He will think, mind-driven person. Here we are talking about a paradox being logically unacceptable and it is also self-contradictory. And you will come to know in a moment what we are talking about. Let's try to give some more you know, definition for this word paradox. Paradox is also an apparent contradiction that under closer scrutiny yields resolution. That means the moment you read that statement, it looks contrary. It looks paradoxical to you. But then as you try to understand, as you try to analyze that, eventually you will find and you will accept it, what it is trying to say. Maybe one more definition. A paradox is a statement that doesn't seem to make sense. If you read that, just plain English, it doesn't make any sense at all. But when you understand it, when you really take some effort to understand what that statement is saying, it makes a lot of sense to you. We're talking about paradox. We're talking about the paradoxes of the Christian faith. Let's go a little further this morning as we try to understand what is exactly paradox. You know, some of those paradoxes of Christian faith is very, very important for us to know because at times, you know, we are questioned by our fellow brethren who do not believe in Lord Jesus Christ. At times, even we question ourselves to find out what is the real fact. Bible talks so, Bible says so, but I still want to understand what is the reality. Does that really mean so? Whether Jesus meant exactly the same thing or he meant something else. You know, that makes a huge difference between the religions of this world and Christianity. You know, there are many other religions that we see today in this world. And all those religions, you know, we see many followers of those religions. You know, at times we wonder, some of those countries if you take, Christianity is the minority religion. And there are other religions, they are the majority Majority of the people go behind those religion and they follow those gurus. But whereas we see a minimum, a handful of people following Christianity. One of the reasons is Christianity is having paradoxical nature built in it. You know, that's the reason atheist is finding it difficult to believe what Bible says. You know, if you go and talk to an atheist who did not believe in Lord Jesus Christ and who did not believe in any religion, it is for him, it is very hard to believe what Bible teaches. You know, simple reason is, as children of God, we speak different. Do you, have you come across that? We speak different. We think different. You know, we don't think the way world thinks. For example, when someone has been fallen sick, now the immediate reaction is to call 911 or take him to rush him to the hospital. But when a child of God falls sick, the first reaction is, kneel down and pray. Kneel down and pray. You know that we don't do the same thing like what the world does. And we don't react in the same way the world reacts. When Sunday morning comes, the worldly people, you know, they have their own plan. But a child of God, when it is Sunday morning, he or she decides to go, get into the house of God to pray. Get into the house of God to worship. We think different. You know, we walk different. We speak different things. You know, that's the reason the world is finding it difficult to understand us. We are talking about the paradoxical nature of our Christian faith. 
our whole system is built based on faith. You know, if I come and talk to you, have you received Jesus Christ? And how do you know that you have received Jesus Christ? The answer you may give is, by? By? Come on, a little loud. By? By faith. By faith, I know that I have received Jesus Christ. The whole system is built based on faith. If you take the element of faith out of it, we are like fools. We are like fools. What we do today, what we speak today, what we, the way we react, the way we think, it's all based on faith. Christianity is based on faith. And you know, there is no room for logical thinkers and those who are reason. Those who question truth, try to find out what, why. Our logic doesn't work in Christianity most of the time. When you approach our issues, the problems that deal with, we deal with, when you try to, you know, logically try to understand, it won't work. The matter of baptism, for example. When you get into the pool, get baptized, and when we come out, scripture says, you are a new creation. You died and you rose from the dead. When you try to understand that logically, it doesn't really work. The logic doesn't work there. You wet yourself with water and what is going to happen? Nothing much can happen. That's what logic says. But you know, whereas faith says that is very important, that is a covenant that I'm making with my Lord God. You know, the system in the world is totally different from what we follow and what we, we believe. That's the reason scripture says when Paul writes to Corinth, he says the Jews, they asked for a sign. They are looking for a sign, but the, and the Greek, they seek wisdom. They seek wisdom. Today, people out there, you know, they want to look for a sign. Unless you show me, I won't believe. They are like Thomas. Unless you show the nail print, I'm not going to believe that you are Jesus. You tell me and you show me that your God is alive. You prove that in front of me, then I will believe. Otherwise, I'm not going to believe. We are talking about a couple of Jews, those who are living outside. And we are talking about a couple of Greeks, those who are living outside. They are filled with wisdom. They are filled with wisdom. You need to speak to them, you know, very eloquently, with full of wisdom, with full of the knowledge of the word of God. You know, then only you'll be able to defend Christianity. There are certain people, they are called. I praise God for such people. They are able to defend Christianity in front of other faith, other religion. Why? There are Greeks living outside. They are after wisdom. You know, why all these complications? That's the reason we are talking about the paradoxical nature of Christianity. You know, even in our faith, at times, we waver. We waver. How many of you think that you waver in your faith at times? You are not sure. You find it difficult in your faith at times. Nobody? Everybody is perfect. Always you believe. Right? All of us. Right? All of us you know, stumble upon something or other at times. And we question, God, if you're alive, Lord, if you really love me, Lord, why such thing happen in my life? We're talking about the paradoxical nature of our Christian faith. Let's look at some of the statements that Jesus made when he was living on the face of this earth. You will understand what we are talking about this morning. Jesus said once, one, one, one point of time, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Can you repeat that after me? He who finds his life 
will lose it. We are talking about a statement that Jesus spoke. The first part of the statement says, he who finds his life. And the second part of the statement says, well, lose it. You know, that's the paradoxical nature of the teaching of Lord Jesus Christ. And he who loses his life for my sake, he will find it. Jesus, at some point of time, he also said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, think about that in a logical way. When you give more, you lose eventually because you are giving what you have. But Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The paradoxical nature of Christianity. When you go and tell this to somebody outside, I'm sure he's not going to believe it because the, way, the nature itself is so. You know, as Christians, as children of God today, we need to know what word of God teaches about. Why other faith is finding it difficult to know what Jesus is teaching about. Jesus also said in Mark 10, 31, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Just want you to think about it. Many who are first will be last. How is it possible? Those who come and walk into the presence of God, maybe the first in the morning, they are going to be the first. And how those companies, someone comes at the late, at the, maybe the late part of the day, how they are going to be first. But Jesus said, those who are coming first, they may be last. They will be last. And the last will become first. In John 17, 14 and 16, 14 through 16, Jesus was talking about, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are in the world, but we don't belong to this world. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. You know, you and I can understand, but it is very difficult for someone who do not believe in God to understand what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus said in, my, in Matthew chapter 5, as part of this longest sermon that he ever, ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, whoever strikes you in one cheek, show them the other. Whoever strikes you in your right cheek, turn the other to him also. The paradoxical nature of our Christian faith is what we are talking about. You know, we need to understand, we need to realize the Christianity, the teachings of Lord Jesus Christ are difficult to understand by people who do not have faith in Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's the reason we are questioned at times. That's the reason, you know, we are, we need to answer, give answer to some of those questions our friends ask us. Let's continue and talk a little more about the paradoxes of the Christian faith. It's very interesting, you know, to see some of those things that we read every day, but when we try to understand in the light of the Word of God, in the presence of God, as under the title paradoxes, you know, it makes real sense now. You know, scripture says, I must die in order to live. I must die in order to live. I must be a fool to become wise. Right? Paul writes, I must be a fool to become wise. And he says, I must become weak to become strong. Now, those who are weak, you are strong. Those who are considered foolish, you are wise. That's what Jesus said. Right? And Paul writes, God, let me, let me suffer. And through these sufferings, I may rejoice. You know, suffering is one part, one extreme, and rejoicing is another extreme. And word of God puts them together and says, even in your sufferings, 
you are to rejoice you are to rejoice what of god says i must humble myself in order to be lifted up who else says this what other religion says this that you need to humble yourself in order to lift up you know everybody want to come up in their career they want to exalt themselves they want to proclaim about the goodness of good things of them then only they can come up in their career but word of god says you need to humble yourself in order to come up word of god says i must be a bond slave in order to be free you know think about the contradiction that we see in the word of god i must be a servant to lead you know some of the world you know leaders they have they, they are very clever they really got some of those concepts from the word of god and they brought it something like a servant leadership you need to serve in order to become a leader who taught that our lord jesus christ taught to his disciples that you must be a servant if you want to come up in your career you want to be a leader and jesus said you need to give in order to receive and paul says to live in christ and to die is gain can you understand can you imagine to live is christ and to die is gain you know all the in the entire world is running behind you know they are just running behind the things of this world because they know very well that their time is very short time is very short their life span is very short you know before they end their life they just want to do everything everything that is possible they want to acquire you know they want to go and see a lot of places they want to you know make a lot of friendship they want to just exalt their name they want to come up in their career you know there is so much of pressure that we see today around us but jesus said paul says to live is christ and to die is gain what are we going to gain when we die the paradoxical nature paradoxical nature of christianity and word of god says love will cover all sins how can you believe it how can we understand this love will cover all sins is it enough only if you love the sins will be gone since will get covered god will not see you as a sinner love will cover all sins too much of paradox in the word of god and this morning for us to continue i would like to you know take three of the major paradoxes that at times shake our christian faith number 1 number 1 why innocents suffer You know this is the question that comes in our mind often why innocent people are getting killed why innocent people suffer number 2 why god allows sickness in my life if gees a healer if he promised that he will heal you heal us why i'm still living in my sickness number 3 why christians are broke financially why christians are broke three major paradoxes that at times it troubles and it questions our faith that's what we are going to deal this morning number 1 suffering of the innocence suffering of the innocence you know i just want all of you to think about our god who our god is our god is a cruel some god or he's a kind god what do you think he's a kind god he's a kind god yes you are right scripture says in psalm 145 the lord is gracious and full of compassion you know you can imagine when jesus walked on the streets of jericho and street of jerusalem scripture says most of the time when he saw people they were like sheep without shepherd when he saw sick people they were living in their sicknesses word of god says jesus had compassion on them 
Jesus had compassion on them. He's a compassionate God. He's a gracious God. Our God is a kind God. He's a caring and loving and righteous God. The question is, why do innocents suffer? Why do innocents suffer? And this morning we are here to find out why innocent people suffer. Can you just move further along with me? Why innocent people suffer this morning? That's what we are trying to understand. That's the number one paradox of Christianity as we see today. Why do innocent people are getting killed every day? You know, think about the tragedies that took place in this world. You know, this morning, I just want to you know, talk to you something which is real. Something which we don't think often. But I believe it's very important that we need to know what the scriptures talks about. Think about the innocent people, those who are getting killed. Think about the innocent children, like our children. But they just got killed. You know, it won't take much time to get a child killed. Just a fraction of a second. It happens. Just happens. The child goes through the pain that we go through. Even if it's just a fraction of a second, the emotions that involved, along with, you know, with those who are related, those who are dear to that child, it is tremendous. Why such innocent people are getting killed? You know, today that is a question that is asked to you and me. If you believe you are God, if you say that your God is a loving God, has a compassionate God, why such things are happening in this world? Why there are so many innocent lives are taken away from this world just like that? We need to get back to the word of God because word of God is an answer again. Word of God is, you know, self-solving mechanism. All the paradoxes it talks about, it has an answer. That's what we said. When you look at the paradox, the statement, it appears that it is not reasonable. But when we try to pay closer attention, you will understand what is the reality, what exactly the word of God says. In this context, the word of God is very clear. It says, there is really no one who is innocent. In this world, there is no one who is so-called innocent. Why? Because... We have been carried the sinful nature from our parents. You may question, what about the newborn baby? Because word of God says, even the newborns, they inherit sin already. Because word of God says, my mother conceives me in sin. My mother gave birth to me in sin. The moment I came out of my mother's womb, I was a sinner. I was a sinner. So in the word of God, in the light of word of God, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, if somebody is asking you why the innocents are getting killed, you need to nail down the fact and say that my scripture says, God says, there is nobody who is called innocent. Because all have fallen short of the glory of God. When we say why innocents are getting killed, Word of God tells there is nobody who is innocent. It may not be because of our deeds. It is because we are born in a world which is fallen in nature. The world is under curse. Do you know that the world was cursed by whom? The world was cursed by God. He's a compassionate God. He's a merciful God, it is true. But the world was cursed by God. In Genesis 3, 17, God said to Adam, God said to Adam, he said, cursed is the ground for your sake. Cursed is the ground for your sake. You know, you and I are living in a world which is cursed by God. How do we expect the world to be a 
place of peace. How do we expect the world that where everyone is honored, everyone is equally treated? We can never expect because we are living in a world which is cursed by God already. Scripture also talks about the bondage of, of corruption. I just want you to turn read from Romans 8 verses 21 to and 22. Scripture says the world is under the bondage of corruption. What is corruption? Corruption is something which will alter the good things. Corruption is something which will not allow, to and allow you to experience the purity. But corruption is something that will alter, that will mix something bad with good, that will mix something evil into, in, in the presence of God. That is what is corruption. What God ordained, it gets altered by the devil. That is what is corruption. Romans 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 21 says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Scripture talks about the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. The whole creation groans and it, 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 it groans and it labors with birth pains. You know, if we go and if we can talk to a tree which is standing in the wilderness, if we can just look at the tree and talk to the tree, the tree is going to tell you, I'm just waiting for the day when the world will come to an end. Because I cannot handle that pain. If we just go into an animal which is, you know, feeding grass in the, in, in, in the, in the field. If we go and talk to that animal, the animal will say, I cannot handle that pain. Because I see corruption everywhere. I see evil everywhere. I cannot handle it. I'm just waiting for the day when the Lord is going to come back. Word of God says, the, cre the creations, whole creation groans and labors with the birth pangs. Together until now. We are talking about a world that is cursed by God. A world that is under bondage of corruption. How can good people see good things always? We are living in a world that is rejected by God. How can good people always be, feel good, experience good? This morning God is telling you that we are living in a world which is corrupted by the devil. Scripture says the world is under the sway of Satan. The world is under the control of Satan. In fact, word of God calls him as the prince of the air. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says, the prince of the power of the air. Who's that in Ephesians 2 2? The devil himself. The devil himself is called the prince of the power of the air. That means wherever air is, the devil is. Wherever the air is, you feel the presence of the devil, presence of evil everywhere. We are living in a world that is under the complete control of Satan. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the beautiful scripture. Jesus says, the reason why he came to this world, the simple reason he came to this world is he knew very well the world is under corruption. The world is caused by God. But Jesus, he decided... That I will go down. I will go down into the cursed world. And I will born. I will, you know, exist, come into existence in the world which is cursed by God for the sake of humanity. You know, that's where you see the love of God. You know, I just want you to think about this morning how hostile this world was for Lord Jesus Christ. 
you know, if you are taken and you are take, taken into a strange nation, and Brother Chella has gone to where? Costa Rica. So, uh, I don't know how he finds that place. People in Costa Rica, do they speak the same language? They speak Spanish, right? I don't know how long Brother Chella was speaking Spanish. People in that nation, they may not eat the same thing that we eat. The culture is different, totally different. I don't know how many times last week he called Jailada. My darling, I'm missing you. I don't know how many times he said that. How many times he was missing her because he was living in a nation which is not familiar to him. Think about Lord Jesus Christ. Living all from his, coming down from his own abode. Coming down into this earth. Which is under corruption, under the control of the devil, which was already rejected by God. Curse everywhere. And he chose to come down to this world just because he loved us. Romans 5.8 says, Jesus Christ died for us even when we were still yet sinners. Jesus Christ died for us even when we were living in our sinful things. We are talking about the paradox of Christianity. God is a compassionate God. But why he kills innocent people? Simply because the world is under curse. Now, but still the question is, why he allows sufferings? Why he allows sufferings still? There are two things that happens when we go through such a tragedy. When we go through such a life, you know, uh, life-giving situations. Life-losing situations. There are two things that can happen. One, sufferings draw the ungodly to Christ. You know, when such things happen, people will think, is there a God? Is he real? They will think about God. So they are drawn to Christ during the midst of the sufferings. What will happen to believer? God allows us to go through sufferings because we become like Christ. If we don't have sufferings in our lives, our characters will not change. As the gold which perishes, which is taken through the furnace so that it will come forth with shining. It will be purified through the furnace and the word of God says how much more precious your faith. When you go through sufferings and difficulties, God is working in your life. He is building you. He is molding you. Your character. That's what the word of God says. So this morning, it is very important that why such sufferings happen in our lives. But you know what? There is a promise in the word of God. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, God is going to wipe away all our tears. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You know, there is going to be a day, and on that day when Jesus comes back to this world, on the day when he takes the church back into, into heaven, and when he establishes his heavenly throne, heavenly realm, and when he calls you, me, into that heaven, scripture says, God is going to wipe away all our tears. So it is very clear, the world is full of sufferings. That doesn't mean that God is punishing us because the world is already cursed by God because of the sin. The number two paradox we come across in our Christian faith. Why does God allow sickness? 
Why does God allow sickness? You know, that is our question this morning. Some of us, you know, as we go through sicknesses that is never getting out of our lives. The question is, why does God allow sickness? Our God is a healer. Exodus chapter 15 verse 26 says, Exodus 15 26, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. You know, God said in his promise, I will not put any of the diseases upon you. The question is, why we still have sicknesses? Why are we still living? We are living in sicknesses. Does it mean that God has lied? Does it mean that scripture is not true? You know, that's the paradox we are talking about this morning. Verse says in Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes we are healed. If it is true that Jesus Christ died for me at the cross, if he gave his blood for me at the cross, it is so true that I am healed today. Then the question is, why am I going through sickness? Why am I going through sickness? You know, it is important that you need to understand what the word of God talks about when we come across this kind of, you know, paradoxical situation in our lives. Let's understand this morning, take quick minutes, few minutes, understand what is the cause of our sickness. And sickness comes from where? Where is, what is the source of sickness? Number one, sickness comes into this world because of the universal sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, sickness came into the world. The pain during the delivery, the birth, it came into existence because of the sin. All the sufferings that we go through on this earth, all the pain and sorrow, it's because of the sin. Because of the sin. You know, sickness, all sicknesses are not because of sin. There are sickness that comes in our lives. Due to various other reasons, maybe age, maybe hereditary, maybe causes, some of the causes, maybe change in the climatic conditions, accidents, birth defect. There are various other reasons why people suffer sickness. But the major reason of sickness is the fallen nature of human. It is a sin that we inherit today in our body. That's the reason we go through sickness in our lives. That's the reason we go through, you know, premature delivery. That's the reason we go through abortion. That's the reason we go through, you know, our body pain and aches. That's the reason we go through heart conditions, heart failure, and our organs failing all of a sudden. It's because of the fallen nature of this world. God doesn't give sickness. I just want every one of you to raise your voice and say, God doesn't give sickness. God, God doesn't give sickness. God doesn't give sickness. But again, the question is, why am I having sickness if God is not giving me sickness? Scripture says, the sickness is given to this world when we lose the protection of God. We already lost the protection because this world is under the influence of the enemy. John chapter 10 verse 10 very clearly says, the devil comes to steal our health and to kill us and to destroy us but not God you know today sometimes we blame God for the sickness that we have in our lives God doesn't want us to blame him because he is not the one who is causing that sickness the sickness is caused by the devil the sickness is caused because you know we allow devil even if we resist him he still comes to us he still attacks us because the world itself is under the influence of the devil there are a couple of underlying facts when we talk about sickness a couple of them are here our sickness is not a measure of our faith <clears throat> you know at times 
When we look at somebody and say, that person or that family is going through a lot of sickness, it's maybe because they don't believe God. They say that they believe God, but they don't believe God. No, sickness is not a measure of our faith. It doesn't mean that if you have more faith, you will sick free, you are sick free. If you have low faith, you are always full of sickness. No, it is not like that. Our sickness doesn't limit God. Because you are having sickness in your body, it doesn't mean that God is not able. Because you live in that sickness, it doesn't restrict, it doesn't limit the power of God. No, not at all. There is no disease under the heaven that God cannot heal. Amen? Can I hear an amen? There is no disease under the heaven that God cannot heal. Heal, amen? You know, this morning we believe God can heal all the chronic diseases. The diseases you think it's going to be with you for lifelong. The diseases that you need to take medications for lifelong. Diabetes, thyroid, cholesterol, all the chronic diseases. You know, God is able to heal because he's a healer. What about all the terminal diseases? You go through some of the terminal sicknesses, such as organ failure, cancer, heart attacks. You know, those terminal diseases, God can heal. There is no reason why God cannot heal. And our, our, our insufficient faith does not limit the power of God. But the question is, why still we are living in sickness? Having sickness in our body, Having sickness as we live on this earth, it's not a sign that God has rejected us. No, not at all. You know, we need to understand that we are human beings. We are not heavenly bodies. We are earthly bodies. We are not living in this world for a long time, forever. We are living in this world for a shorter time. Think about a world where there is no sickness, there is no death. Think about the chaos. When people don't die. It's good that people die. Do you agree with me? It is good that people die. If those people, they are not dying. If they are there for all. Think about our grandfathers and great grandfathers who are not godly. Who are worshipping idols. If they are alive today, they are going to destroy this world far more. It's good that they have gone home. It is good. It is good. God has given us a limited time for us to live on this earth. Sickness is part of it. But when we ask God to heal us, He heals us. He is a healer. That doesn't define, that doesn't define the fact that He cannot heal. He can heal. He is a healer. Then the question is why our sickness is not healed? A couple of reasons. If we continue to choose in our sin, the sickness will not go. If you continue to do the sinful things, that opened up an opportunity door for sickness to enter into our life. The sickness is not going to go. Not only that. God's time is not there at times. You know, when I talk about the sickness, uh, the sin causing sickness, I just want you know, to mention to you, Jesus healed that, woman, that man who was in the pool of Bethesda for 38 long years. Scripture says, when he saw him at the temple after he received the healing, what Jesus told? Do not sin anymore. Do not sin anymore. Why that man was lying down there for 38 long years? He was continued to do the sin. You can ask me, how can he do sin? He can't even get up. He can't even walk from that place. You don't need to walk to do sin. Sin can happen in your mind. Sin can happen in your heart. You know, as long as we live in our sin, that sickness is not going to leave. Secondly, God's time has not come yet. 
for a miracle to take place even at the wedding of Cana Jesus told my time has not come yet you know there is an appointed time for certain things in our lives and God is asking us to wait for those time God we can receive the healing of God God's name to be glorified someone was born blind disciples brought him to Jesus and asked Jesus Jesus why this man was born blind is it his sin is it his parents sin but you know what Jesus said it's none of their sin he was born blind because the name of God may be glorified through him you know some of the sicknesses that we have in our body when God heals those sicknesses God's name is going to be glorified that's the reason we are living in sickness at times God wants us to handle that sickness with grace when Paul asked God many times Lord remove the thorn from my flesh you know what God said Jesus said my son my grace is sufficient for you my grace is sufficient for you some of those sicknesses that we are dealing with you know God is telling you my son my daughter my grace is more than enough for you I died for you at the cross I shed my blood at the cross my grace is with you do not worry about that sickness just walk with faith just keep walking with faith because I already handled it at the cross what you are experiencing is just a symptom but the core the depth of that sickness I already destroyed that at the cross at times not our works but the work at the cross heals the sickness many times we try to do all that we know to heal somebody from the sickness we apply this ointment we apply that ointment we take this procedure we take this food you know the healing comes not by the procedures the healing comes by the work that is done at the cross if you perfectly purely surrender your life to the work at the cross god will heal us now, there are reasons why we are not getting healed it's not that god god cannot heal at times god expects our faith he spoke to the woman with the issue of blood and he jesus told her your faith has made you well your faith has healed you you know today miracles happen because of their faith not because that you know you are somebody great not because that, that you lay hands on somebody and pray at times miracle happen because of the simple faith they have simplify that's the reason we see when there are countries where you know people are not godly they are going through difficult times not able to worship god when you go and pray for them healing takes place immediately because of the simple faith and humble faith they have at times we need faith to get healing from god there are a couple of spiritual reasons why sickness is lingering around unforgiveness bitterness hatred jealousy pride you know these are some of those things they are hidden in our bones and they will not allow us to get healed there are the reasons why we are not getting healed and this morning god is telling us it's not that my ability is reduced it's not that like my hand is shortened but it is your iniquities number three paradox i just want to quickly go through it why christians are broke financial difficulties God says silver is mine gold is mine in Deuteronomy 15:6 word of God says you shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow how many of how many of us go through debt in our lives word of God is very clear you will not you will not borrow but you will only lend the question is why Christians are suffering in debt the third paradox we are talking about Psalm 122 verse 7 says peace be within your walls prosperity within your palaces prosperity simply means wealth wealth 
within your palaces. Why we go through such brokenness in our lives in terms of our finances? In a spiritual sense, the spirit of poverty works against the kingdom of God. The spirit of poverty will not allow you to do what you need to do for God. The spirit of poverty will not allow you to live satisfactorily so that you will have a life that pleases God, that praises God. It makes us really poverty complacent. You know what I'm talking about? Poverty complacent. Think about a man who is living in a house which is having a couple of cockroaches. We don't want that. When there are cockroaches, there is one thing which is easily done. We call somebody who can do the extermination and then you can just get those cockroaches killed. That's easy. But this man decided, okay, just only one cockroach, maybe just let that be there. And a couple of days later, he saw a couple of cockroaches and then a little later, just only cockroaches in that house. We're talking about spiritual complacency. You know, when we think about, oh, maybe this is just a financial struggle that we go through. Maybe we will come out of it. But eventually it takes us, takes us further down. And we are so adjusted to live in that condition. We think that everybody needs credit card. Everybody needs a certain amount of debt in order to raise our credit balance. But then eventually we are taken into the, by the spirit of poverty. And I believe it makes sense to all of us this morning. The spirit will make us to settle down for less. Just want you to think about, quickly turn your attention to the spirit that was in Caleb and Joshua. Moses sent Caleb and Joshua into, into Canaan and he asked them to spy the land. And Joshua and Caleb, they came out with a good report saying that we can come on, we can go and we can conquer the land. We can take victory over our enemies. It is easy. And word of God says, Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. Had a different spirit. And I believe this morning to the church, God is telling us the reason why we are financially broke, we need a different spirit. We need a different spirit. There are a couple of reasons I just want to read quickly and before we close. The reasons why we are spiritually broke. Number one reason, the curse of Cain. The curse of Cain. And I just want you to think about the curse, what happened in, in the life of Cain and Abel. Cain held back the best from God. Abel gave the best that he can give to God. Can you just tell with me, I don't want to hold back the best. Can you tell with me? I don't want to hold back the best. The best belongs to God. The best belongs to God. You know, the curse of Cain, when he was holding back the best without giving that to God. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with all your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. First child belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you. First child belongs to God. It doesn't, it's not belong to you. It is a Old Testament law. It is a New Testament covenant. And today even we believe that the first child, if you have only one child, that doesn't belong to you. It belongs, he or she belongs to God. Do not hold back what belongs to God. It will turn to a curse. Number two curse, the curse of Malachi. Malachi 3, 10 to 11, scripture says, if you hold back what belongs to God, the tithes and the offerings, scripture says very clearly, you are robbing God. You know, when we do not do this, 
It is equivalent to robbing God. One tenth of your salary doesn't belong to you. No matter where you give, no matter where you pour, pour that amount, it belongs to God. Make sure it is given to a place where, you know, it is used for the glory of God. When we hold that back, it is no more a blessing. It turns to a curse of Malachi. The curse, the curse of Haggai. Haggai chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. I want to read the scriptures. We'll close soon. Haggai chapter 1. Verses 9 through 11. Just listen to the scriptures. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. You know, word of God says, you got little income and you brought it to home. And when you brought that little income to home, word of God says, I blew it away. Says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. And Boslavan says, For I called for a drought on the land, and the mountains on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hand. You know, God turns against to people, those who brings a little, but they do not consider the house of God. You know, what refers to the house of God today? Certainly it is a place of worship. Certainly it is our life, because our body is the temple of God. You know, God honors those who honor the house of God. When the house of God is in ruin, he, scripture is asking, how can you just live in your own house? God is telling us this morning that we need to have concern for the house of God. Finally, some of the generational curses of poverty. I just want you to know this as we are going to pray. Exodus 25 says, the iniquities of the father are asked to the third and the fourth generation. You know, as I was preparing this message, God gave me that revelation. Until now, I was thinking that the sins of my father may affect my life. Some of those things that they have done in my forefathers, the word of God says it is, it is going to affect the third and fourth generation. But when you pray to God, the curse will be broken because Jesus already broke that at the cross. All that you need to believe and you need to pray against those curses. That's what we need to do. But this morning, God revealed me, some of our forefathers did not obey the law of Haggai. Some of our forefathers did not obey the law of Malachi. Some of them, they did not know that they need to give tithes and offering to, the, to God. But then some of them, they knew very well, they need to give tithes and offering to God, but they did not give and today the curses that we go through, the poverty that we are living in, it's not because we are, we are not giving, we are giving, but it is because somebody else in our generation, maybe the third and fourth generation, we do not know. They knew probably, but they did not give to God. You know, today if you give to God, your children will be blessed. Today if you give to God faithfully, your children, you'll see the blessing of your children. The generational curse of poverty. This morning we talked about the third paradox. Why Christians are broke. These are a couple of reasons. It's not that the Bible makes us to get confused. Bible is a fact. You think about it Bible logically or you think about it from your heart. In both ways, Bible works. Because the word of God never lies. 
And this morning, I believe God has spoken to us. Let's close our eyes. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipn.org. God bless you.